That's great. Good afternoon, Cardinal. Good afternoon, Reverend. All right, professional. Happy Labor Day. Happy Labor Day. Profession of faith. And shit, shit piss, piss, fuck, fuck cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, motherfucker, tits. All right, and our disclaimer, if uh, for those of you who have not uh, ever been with us, if you have not noticed by the profession of faith or explicit content box checked, if you're easily offended, go away. If your life is defined by pre-constructed ideologies, such as politics, religion, or any other mentally restricted institution, please leave. If you're a snowflake playing your life uh, living your life playing the role of a victim due to your sexuality, race, perception of history, the generation you were born in, or any other self-entitled paradigm, you'll get triggered. So get out. Our, as our prophet George Collard himself says, you have the freedom to turn the dial to change the channel. We believe comedy and laughter is a natural way in which humans connect, so we study those who make us laugh in order to grasp different perspectives. Many times we'll take perspectives that are not our own just for the sake of laughing or to empathize with and explore alternate points of view, even and especially if they're horrible. So if this bothers you, sayonara. Get the fuck out. Uh, now, if you're still here, thank you for joining us. I hope our meeting is as fun for you as it was for us. And so the Cardinal, why don't you uh, tell us, uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, give us a little pre- Oh, hey, they lost <laughs> Nice. Hey, don't kick it over should, me like I know. We should really listen to this ad before. We should. Yeah, don't kick it over to me like I know what an enlarged prostate feels like. God damn it. Yeah, but I didn't go to I medical know, school. Yeah, but but come on. I know <laughs> I know that you know what that little tickle feels like. I know what it's like to try to find the prostate. That's about it. I know I, I know that you know what uh just practice testing for it is. Self-testing. I, I love the visual. So for those who don't know what the fuck we're talking about, uh, we just pull our clips off of YouTube like a couple of lazy fucks, but of course, YouTube always has to add, uh, serve you an ad before every video. And this one was a, a drawn illustration of someone squatting in what looked like maybe a dildo with a condom on it. I don't know, about to reach into their ass. And it's uh, it said something about enlarged prostates. So that's that's who, they, uh, who they've determined their target audience is when we pull up videos. So it tells you a little bit about ourselves. Anyway, a little bit about this video. It's called Please Stop Communicating by Joe DeRosa. I don't really know much about this con uh, comic, but I heard it on my Doug Stanhope uh, Pandora station a couple weeks back, and I thought, hey, this would be fun to talk about and rip on since we're always complaining about communications. And, well, we'll let this video kind of lead us into thought. And Joe DeRosa, you let, uh, and Joe DeRosa, please stop communicating. Twitter, man, giving everybody a voice, making everybody think they're a progressive. And let me say this, when I say progressive, I am not picking on one side of the political coin. There are idiots on both sides that think they can make a difference and they can't. They cannot. For every right-wing gun nut jerk-off that thinks he knows how to analyze the latest public shooting, there's a left-wing coffeehouse moron that thinks somehow they're going to prevent the next one. And none <laughs> of them are going to do anything at all. It's because of Twitter, I'm telling you. It's because of Twitter. Too much access to one another, too much access, and access to the wrong people. I shouldn't be allowed to tweet at the president, okay? <laughs> I shouldn't. I'm a fucking moron. I could tweet at Obama right now. Right now. Stupid shit, too. Take out my phone. Hey, Obama, your balls suck. <laughs> and he might see it. 
<laughs> That's the crazy part. He might see it, and then he's going to take time out of his busy president day to be like, what the fuck does that mean? My balls suck. What's that guy mean by that? No, I know we have shit to do, but this guy's in my head. I want to talk about it right now. <laughs> now they just have Facebook and Twitter. Now they just, the presidential office just has uh, Facebook and Twitter basically censor what they tell them to. People act like, yeah, I should be able to tell Obama's balls suck. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> it's a weird privilege, and we don't really appreciate it. You know what you would have had to do back in 1910 to say some stupid shit like that to a president? The goddamn effort that would have went into the task. First of all, you would have to look up his train schedule. <laughs> hey, hey, guys, he's speaking at this field on Thursday. I'll ride my horse up there. I'm gonna leave on Monday. Get all the way up to the field, wait in the freezing rain for nine hours, shove your way to the front of the crowd just for that two second opportunity where the president steps off the train. Oklahoma, how you doing? Hey Taft, your fucking balls suck! <laughs> I do like that he had the right president for the, the time frame. Right. I know. I was, I was wondering if he was going to say a specific president. Yeah. yeah. Could have said McKinley, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but here he's complaining about Twitter. And, you know, they just this week in current events, although we do usually stick away from current events specifics, unless they're tied to a philosophy that we're trying to explore, which in this case, I think qualifies. Uh, you had Mark Zuckerberg interviewed on the Joe Rogan podcast and, basically talking about uh, FBI intervening in what was allowed to be published during an election and yada, yada, yada. Of course, Zuckerberg trying to save his ass or whatever. And Rogan didn't press him too much on that, which was kind of disappointing. But uh, yeah, it's it just shows you kind of where he uses Twitter as an example. Twitter was Twitter and Facebook were the two big ones that they, they kind of uh, connected with swaying public opinion in this in this election although you're not allowed to you know say anything other than it was the fairest and freest election ever you know but uh but you have you have these people in these powerful positions saying that fbi is colluding with them to and they have terms internal f fact checkers which he explained are just like a third per third party company who you know he says they have nothing to do with and blah 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 but uh yeah, it's you're you're being oh so yeah they label things misinformation and disinformation. There's just the error in communication right there with not letting people determine for themselves what's reasonable and what's even allowed to be discussed. There's a barrier to communicating online. But we always complain about you know Rev. You always have good things to say about text versus just actually talking to someone with the full context that you get in a face-to-face -face situation. Well, I mean, uh, that's kind of like two separate subjects, you know, yeah. one being that, uh, you know, one being that from what he's saying, you know, d please stop communicating. That's kind of uh, my point is that there's too many ways to communicate. There's too many ways to get a hold of people. Um, you know, it used to be like if you had somebody's phone number, 
you called them, you got a hold of them, you conversed. Maybe you'd have some phone tag back and forth. Uh, then you had the cell phone, which you know you you could, and it became it. It started off as an opportunity and ended up being an expectation to get a hold of people away from the house or at times when they could be, you know, at other times or that they at least had the opportunity to get back to you if they wanted to, you know, and then came the text, which was where, you know, you're having very short, non -ver or, uh, short, limited verbal communication, um, you know, over long periods of time. You know, a conversation is going to take, you know, a conversation could take three days where, you know, a, that phone call conversation could have take, taken two minutes. You know, if you're trying to yeah. schedule something, you're trying to do something, oh, I'm not available then. Are you available this time? Oh, I'm not available then. I'm not, when, are you available this time? You know, you're getting this one text passed back and forth for, you know, however long or an email or whatever it is. And so it's really that nature of what happens when you – uh, number one, have uh, too many disparate forms of communication. And number two, you're, you know, 93% of communication is nonverbal. And so what happens when you have a very limited form of purely verbal communication? Um, and then, you know, and this is where we're jumping to social media, which is texts that aren't just for one or two people, <laughs> but they're texting for everyone. You know, and so what you're doing is now you got you got to text people back. Now you are texting the world, you now which is social media, and now you have emails to get a hold of like people where you need more nuanced verbal communication, and then you have the phone call, which for some reason is the last uh, <laughs> the last thing anybody wants to do. Um, and again, it, gets, it goes down to that fast food mentality of quantity versus quality. Mm. And, um, you know, if you adopt a quality over quantity mentality, you know, good luck trying to trying to be get other people involved in that. You know, it's it's about it's about the same as trying to get everybody to eat right. You know, it's like, you know, it's it's like you still. I'd, I'd say it's fat communication. You know, it's the same thing. Hmm. Everybody's still communicating on a McDonald's level as opposed to communicating on a, on a uh, you know, veggies and high-quality protein level. You know, if you're, if you're making the analogy, back, uh, the metaphor to nutrition, you know what I mean? And so that's, what, that's the way I feel about it. I don't know if I digress too far down the road there for you. No, I think that's a great analogy. One, taking more time and effort and personal connection with what you're consuming and how you're interacting with the other versus just kind of like show me the menu and I'll, uh, I'll subscribe to or, or select the choice that uh, best suits what I feel right now. Um, and, and even just like you're talking about, you can kind of carry the same principle into schooling and how you know, we always talk about, you know, with, with this focus on online uh, schooling and, and resources for education, a lot of the assessment is just multiple choice and uh, presented in a way that's like, oh, here, we already have your your possibilities narrowed down for you. Now you pick this versus like, you know, the long communication format of, you know, an essay question or something. That's really an absolute brain fuck. That is MK Ultra right there. 
Yeah. I mean, I mean uh, like you think about this. I tell people all the time, you know what? I said the worst tests that I was that I was good at in school were true false. Mm. The second one that you had to build up skills for, but were still shit, were were uh, were multiple choice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then the best ones that I was good at was essays because you could really examine a, a complex system, you know, as opposed to just this linear like <laughs> this is that, you know, A or B or A and B or A and C. Yeah, it could because it, it trains your brain to that's the way you're gonna think about every decision that you have in life for the rest of your life is that it has to be green is go and red is stop or it has to be a b c you know or it has to be republican or democrat or right. it has to be all guns or no guns yeah it can't be you, you can't figure out a nuance and learn how to make decisions for yourself so write the essay 100 percent. yeah right do the work do the thought write the essay and let's talk about it. you know we can have a healthy discussion but and and the, the same kind of well, one thing I do, one way you can kind of build in those problem-solving skills with a multiple choice, just for sake of example, I always notice in school, there's a clear difference between like memorization of, like if you're taking a history test or something, memorization of a uh, an event or a person and you have to fill in the blank kind of multiple choice versus, hey, here's a piece of text. Uh Analyze, read the full text, analyze, you know, what's saying, what is the prompt asking? What's the final question saying? And then, you know, how can I eliminate the obvious wrong answers? You know, you're, you're using critical thinking skills to get to that answer. There, there, are, there are different types of those multiple choice assessments that you could do. I, like I said, I kind of subscribe to giving someone a text or a map to interpret or a chart to read and letting them use some problem solving skills to do that. But still in that format, you are ultimately landing on like, hey, here are your choices. But but yeah, I, I even think not enough of that is even close to focused on. I think in it's just, interest. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead, please. Oh, I said I think it's an interesting thing. It just, just occurred to me that, you know, I mean, we have I've read about like classroom size and stuff like that. And, you know, they'll say there's an optimal classroom size. But your optimal classroom size, you know, I think it's around 25 or something like that. And then, of course, we're way overloaded to where classrooms are going up to 30, 35 in a lot of areas. And, you know, and so that's shit. But also that classroom size, that optimal classroom size is also optimal for that system. You know, so you're like, if you were to take one teacher and let's say they had to do all their tests except for math, essay. You know, you would, uh, you know, I, I would think that that would take a lot more work for the teacher, you know, so that teacher, yeah. their optimal classroom size is actually going to be to teach 10 kids how to critically think, you know, you're not going to be able so that optimal classroom size shifts. What do you think? No, it's a great point. Uh, again, with, you know, these national standards and assessment and uh, things trying to be uh, turnkey across the board with all these digital solutions, you're really just... Yeah, you're looking at it of quantity versus quality of interaction. Uh, yeah, I could uh, theoretically, if I'm a teacher with some online system, yeah, I could teach 70 kids in the same class. It doesn't matter. I'm giving the same lesson um, and assigning the same stuff. But it's definitely going to be a different type of, you know, I, I'm going to scale my grading differently where it's like 
you know, those, those multiple choice answers are graded automatically. And so I'm not sitting here, you know, combing through 70 different uh, responses of individual thought. It's all just like, did you, did you get the right answer? Uh, yeah, that's, that's, I feel like that's metaphorically, you know, just kind of fits into how people are just produced or encouraged to interact in general, you know, education aside. Well, it's interesting, like you're shifting into this education talk, you know, and, uh, and with the, with the, like the thought on education, you know, if you take, uh, who is it? Uh, is it Peter Schiff is a economist that we yeah. like, yeah. you know, and he, he was talking the other day about like, um, taking education out of the public realm yep. so that Sorry. you stopped the government monopoly over education. Mm -hmm. And so you would imagine that you could have like that. We teach critical thinking where they shift that sort of grading and that sort of, uh, you know, that's that sort of system. And that would in turn, you know, you might, instead of having 70 kids, if you, even if you're doing partially online, you could just, you would just charge a lot more because you have, you know, a better system that teaches critical thinking and people would recognize that versus, uh, you know, versus the high quantity, you know? Mm -hmm. And so there's where you'd have your, uh, you know, Hey, do you want to take this class, you know, with a teacher that has only 10 kids that they have to teach or mm -hmm. do you, you know, but it's cost, you know, two grand for the class. Yeah. And then we have this other class that costs uh, $50. But, you know, so you can take the same, same class, same information, but it's all multiple choice. And, you know, so now you have your quantity version. You know, and that would be interesting to put into a marketplace if you got rid of the the public sector having their monopoly over the, mm. over the education system. For sure. It would be interesting. And again, what we're talking about is decentralization of control over entire industries like education. Uh, and I like, I, I tune into Louder with Crowder quite a bit just for the humor and the, the research-based, you know, well-cited information they give. Anyway, uh, they, they're always talking about ending like the federal department of education, just giving it back to keeping it focused with state and local. Uh, yeah. And then you're not paying, you know, into those taxes that go to, you know, federal uh, organizations like teachers unions and whatnot and said, yeah, you may end up, you know, paying for a scenario like that where you, you know, locally, you know, a few hundred families or a dozen families, whatever it is, you know, hires a teacher or, you know, does these pod kind of things where, yeah, you, you end up paying for that, but you're not paying the taxes that go towards the bureaucracy. And yeah, actually that, that money is straight load. Yeah. Um, and then again, it, you know, suits your local and community needs and values more than a federally standardized uh, indoctrination program, which is, you know, how a lot of people feel about public education or if not indoctrination, at least at the very least, like a, a lazy approach to just as we see, you know, the, the bar continues to lower as they try and pass more people through with less actual skills and just more equity. You know, those, that's right, man. It's fast food education is what it is. Yeah. And it's not healthy. And they, yeah, it's, it's funny. And all these, these programs, they, they compare different 
education systems around the world and they they prop up countries like uh, the Nordic countries like Norway, Sweden, or also down in the Philippines. Uh, and there's a lot of innovative countries that they praise their education systems because, you know, one, one reason or another, but they look at how they, va- as a society, how they value education and, and the buy-in it's, you know, it starts at home. But when you have, you know, a system like the United States nowadays set up to where, uh, trying to prevent involvement of like parents in their kids' educations, dictating, you know, trying to prevent centralized authorities dictating what their kids have to learn or need to know or, or what interpretation they need to have of, of information. It just, again, it, it has to start with something that's valued. And we talk about, we talk about, uh, you know, nutrition, what's valued in America. Well, same the same approach as we're talking about to education. What's valued is quality over qual or sorry, quantity over quality, uh, you know, convenience. So I know you're kind of running low on time, so I don't want to open a whole new can of worms or anything, but. Oh, no, I hear you. So uh, yeah, man. Well, Hey, I think that was a cool little tidbit. I really yeah. like that uh, video. Um, I like to pick up on it. <laughs> yeah. I like to pick up on it, but I forgot that uh, zoom uh, upgraded uh, their terms to where two people no longer have unlimited amount of time <laughs> so they 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 want it all centralized the smaller groups get uh less rights and privileges there <laughs> <laughs> right. thanks a lot folks uh we'll talk to you next time hope you enjoyed this one